For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good morning, everyone. For those who are new here, I'm Tygen Layton, the guiding teacher at Ancient Dragons Endgate, and I'm very happy to have with us this morning uh, Zengyu Paul Disco, who was uh, an ordained disciple of Shinri Suzuki Roshi, uh, and Suzuki Roshi sent Paul to Japan to study temple architecture and temple carpentry for what, five years, six years? Five. And uh, Zengyu has built uh, many temples around the country and the world. And for those of you who've been to Tassahara, he built uh, what was then called the temporary Zendo almost 50 years ago, uh, and other structures there, and at Green Gulch, and uh, is also advising us on our prospective new building. And uh, as an all-time friend, and I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, I, I, as a 23-year-old, I sold everything I had, and I was going to Japan to study woodworking, and I stopped by a place called Tassahara on my way to Japan, and met a man named Shinru Suzuki, and I realized I could learn something from him. So I ended up my four days visit turned into four years. And in that four years, he suggested that maybe being a carpenter was good, but maybe being a priest was better. He didn't have to put it that way, but I'm paraphrasing. He was much more subtle about it than that. But anyway, so it, was, it took me a while to adjust to that concept. It was, it was, it was hard. It was, I was, I was, at that point, I was very... Uh, very involved with both both of them, and anyway, so I said priest, and he grunted, and then uh, he ordained Reb Finchin Anderson and Reb and I, um, and then a few months after that, in a meeting, he announced that I was going to Japan to study temple building. I'm not having trouble with me about it, but anyway, <laughs> oh, I see that I see you have it on the wall here. That's great. Projection of the people on Zoom. Um, anyway, so so I went and uh, felt very I felt very at home there um, because I've had I've had four years of rather intense contact with Japanese teachers. I had I had Suzuki, of course, and then uh, a young priest named. Uh, um, showed up very soon after Tassar opened to help us with formalities. And then Kategori uh, came along, and then Zuccarelli felt that he wasn't strict enough. He was too, too soft for us. And so he brought in this man called Tassagami Russian from the age he was champion super sumo wrestler at age that long time priest there and uh we saw it I'm doing it. Um so so among they were all very different, extremely different teaching styles, very different things, different points of view to teach. So if anything I learned that there wasn't one way. He used to like to say that uh, birds swim, fish fly. So he was he was very much, it's not necessarily so, he was very much involved in not getting caught in one way of thinking about things. And he, he was also very, he was very gentle with us. He treated us like like beginners, like 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 we we had no no karmic background. We were just a sort of fresh slate. That he could he could draw Zen diagrams on, and, um, 
it was it was it was very 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 kind to us and very very gentle and and waited for us to discover things before he told us about them. Um, they didn't try to. It was not not very constructive. He was more letting us find our way and then and then ratifying what they found. <clears throat> Unlike some of the other teachers. Anyway. Kogan, for example, never told anybody anything. <laughs> he really needed no matter what. <laughs> it was not his style. <laughs> um, anyway, I went to Japan. I studied with, with Shokunin. Shokunin are a, a subclass, subgroup of Japanese. Japanese is a very homogeneous society, but, but there are, there were the subgroups. Chokunin was their article artists. And if you've seen a movie called The Jiro Dreams of Sushi, that was a Chokunin. Anyway, so I lived in Chokunin life pretty intensely for almost five years. I had to go to art Japanese school for a little while, Japanese language school for a few months, and then I, then I, I uh, Hung out with hung out with local woodworkers where I was living. Just watched for a while, and then I got my first job at, at Yoshinji, which is a Rinzai temple in Kyoto. And, and because there was no soto shoe in, in Kyoto, I ended up that I needed a sponsor because I was there to student these. I needed a sponsor, so I ended up studying with a Rinzai teacher in Daitoji named. Uh, uh, here again, I'm having that like name blocking powers. Um, what was his name? Well, I got Mubon Roche. I was his assistant for a short time. I built my teacher, whatever was, was Don Ray Kabori. Kabori Roche. And he was, he was very strict. And he, did, you know, he, he gave out no candy. Um, and, uh, he had a famous painting, maybe some of you know what the five percent painting, like eighth century China or something. It's been extremely, extremely famous, extremely rare, special, valuable painting in, in his temple keep. And, and a professor came from Harvard to, to see it. It's the art industry professor came from Harvard. And he said, No, stop, stop, you can't see it. So I'm, just, I'm not showing it today. <coughs> so they got very upset and went away. And the next day, he put it out for the mailman to see. <laughs> anyway, um, but all this is needed to say that I got very inundated with the Japanese approach towards things. And, and it's a very visual approach, and it's a nonverbal. There's very little intellectual transmission, but it's a lot of verbal, a lot of physical, visual transmission and a lot of physical transmission of how you move your body and how you where you where you, where you place your eyes and how you move your body and, and there's a lot of nonverbal communication of things that are just sensed and not spoken. And anyway, so I got I got I, I, I was already being dyslexic. I was already very much that way. I was already visual deep in the visual world. And so I felt very much at home there. I felt very comfortable, especially after all those years at Tassajara, I had learned the body language, even though I hadn't learned the spoken language, I learned the body language. And uh, there's really only one word you have to know when you, when you get in there, that's this honey, which is yes. It's the response to all questions, whether you know what they said or not. <clears throat> anyway, um, then I, then I, then, I sort of timed out, maxed out there. Anyway, my expiration date got, got came up, and and they started they started expecting me to act like a Japanese because I was I was imitating it well enough, but I wasn't really I wasn't really. I mean, there's lots of things I didn't know, like, like I, was, I couldn't write, for example. Anyway. I had time to, I had to leave because it was just too hard to be there, but you have to follow all the Japanese rules. Just, 
but um, the human beings would like to like you know have a little more information there, <laughs> spread things around a little bit, and can uh, decide on how many facets of things we can do, what we can chop up and divide things into. And some schools of Buddhism, of course, have hundreds of precepts, and some some don't emphasize them as much, but. Anyway, either way, whether whether it's a long list of precepts or just a, a single precept not to make it, it's a vow not to be separate from all such things. say in the chant, you're all such things in your life, and your time is uh, separate. Uh, see yourself a separate call from all such things. <clears throat> Um, so, so that's, that's for me anyway, that's the importance of having a gate, having an entrance point, having a, some signpost to say, I'm now entering the way. And, and that's what this building, um, North Lincoln will hopefully become. It's a gateway for you all to enter where you know that. Experience the basic mind, um, and also, but also the you know, the, the, the way of thinking mind is like our is uh, where people are already committed. Karma. It's, it's our most, that's sort of our, it's not the right word, but our, our hope is to awaken the way seeking mind of other people. And everybody has something different, a different way of, of, of awakening to the, to the, to the way seeking mind, to, 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 the, to the, the idea of, of learning, the idea of understanding or, or following the path. Um, and so, for me, for me, my first, my first glimpse of that, my first, my first experience of the, of the way seeking mind was going to Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, and there was a Japanese tea garden there, and it had a fence, and they put a, a there was a pagoda there, they build a pagoda there, there was actually a Shinto shrine there first, but during the Second World War, they had a Japanese, and they burned the Shinto shrine down, but they left the fence around it. And the fence had horizontal timbers, top and bottom, and then they had these vertical palings that went through, and they penetrated through, through the horizontal members, in a way that you could not see. It looked like they grew there. You could not see. There was no space between. You could not see how those palings managed to get through that wood without, I mean, it was, it was like magic. To me, it was magic as an eight-year-old, looking at that and being, and I was always wood conscious for some reason, but seeing that, how, how did they do that? How did they possibly do that? And so that was my first Thinking that the Japanese do something that I that I that, that I didn't know anybody that knew that nobody else could do woodworking like that that I had never seen I'd never seen anything like it. Um, my grandfather had this battle a piece of wood a piece of pine wood with a red wood arrow that went through a little holes and it had a thing on each edge you couldn't get it in and out so the mystery is how that red wood got through that pine but. That was trickery of some sort. It wasn't I was experiencing in Golden Gate Park. And then later in high school, I lived in Berkeley during high school, and the neighbors across the street were Japanese. And they didn't ever speak to anybody. They kept to themselves. And they had a trash day, a trash day. It's in my book. I wrote about this. It's one of the seminal points. Anyway, they put out their trash on trash day in the curb. And I went over and looked at the trash. It was all neatly laid out and tied in bundles. It was all like beautifully arranged, like a flower arrangement in this bucket, in this box to be thrown out. I said, well, what, what is that about? <laughs> what, why would somebody organize their garbage so beautifully? 
Anyway, so that was another for me, another inspiration to learn, which is what I'm calling the way seeking mind. So hopefully this, this building on North, North Lake will have some features or some ability to awaken to uh, to awaken to, to help people uh, find a way seeking mind. Um, plus being a place where all of all of us practitioners to to be conscious of our vow when we when we enter. Now we can't we probably can't put up a gate out on the street, but the, the entrance is, is gate enough. Um, anyway that's that's my, my hope for for the for that space. It's um, it's not big. It's it's only thirteen hundred square feet. It's uh, there's just there's there's two floors above that can be auxiliary space for books on rooms and and student hangout rooms and the teachers room possibly in the kitchen and that kind of thing. And there's a third floor that could be hopefully be a residence for somebody, some fellow traveler, somebody associated with the same that we live up there. Anyway, I, um, there's no backyard, unfortunately, but um, there is a roof. But in the future, like the roof could be used as a, as a garden space. I noticed there's beer halls on roofs around this town. Um, it's not enough fun. I've heard of the idea. Um, anyway, it's it's, um, it's it's unpretentious. It's solid. It's brick. It's um, you know, a hundred years old or so, and uh, it has very minor frills and pretensions. It's quite, quite a solid piece of property, and it's reasonably priced and within within the budget of this group, a group of this size. Uh, so I think it's going to be a great home for you, but. It hasn't happened yet, so there's still there's a long ways to go, and, and there's going to have to be a fair amount of redoing of some of the infrastructure and some of the mechanical systems as well as making the space downstairs into a center. But it's all within it's all within the group. So it's all possible. It's not it's not, a, not too big of a stretch you know, to, to imagine it can be done. And it doesn't have to be done all at once. It'd be nice. The, the second floor is is leased until next March or something. So there's March, April, May, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere in the spring. I forget now where the lease kind of runs out. So so we're but it'll take a fair amount of time to raise the money to do the remodeling and to and to uh, do after the work. But first we have to get First, we have to do the plans, and then and then get you all to be happy with them. I mean, it has to, it has to get buy-in from the group, the Sangha. And then we need to get buy-in from the city that, yes, we can do this, and it has to be done in this way and that way. These are the requirements here, those are the requirements there. And then we have to um, raise the money and find someone to lead the work, and a contractor who can lead the work. Back, you know, back in the sense of the sense of days, I, I was me, I, I, I was never from sense just because I had the experience. But I don't, not, you know, I don't believe really that, that you have somebody in your socket that can do that, but you, know, you can find somebody sympathetic, somebody that you, that you like, that you like to work with, that you're comfortable working with to be the, the, uh, Contractor, the leader, the director of the work. Hopefully, hopefully, some of you will feel feel encouraged to help out with some of the less technical stuff. Um, anyway. There's, it's the, 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 the deal has not been completed yet. It's still it's still pending. So there's still it still could go sideways at the very end. Yet, so it's just a, a, a potential, I think a good potential, 
And if not this one, there's probably another building we've worked a lot from this experience and another space that this one doesn't, doesn't turn out, but I think that this is well worth well worth your following through with and and building out of this is doable and it's worth doing. Thank you. Any questions on that? There's Dylan, who's been a big help in this process. Well, maybe you can help. And there's there's Dale, who I, who I did a project with over the phone. <laughs> that was that was a very interesting east-west <laughs> mixture. He wanted to do a tea house in his backyard, but he had a lot of he had a lot of he had a lot of, a lot of karmic restraints on doing it. <laughs> and he didn't know anything about woodworking, especially as a handicapped daughter. He hired a carpenter that thought the Japanese ways of doing things were silly. Anyway, but we, 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 he got it done. He got he got a tea house done. And you're, are you doing that tea in there, Dale? Thank you for the answer. Yeah, yes, um, we're having uh, tea ceremonies in there regularly now. Right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, okay, so. okay. So. No, no. Thank you. Did Dale want to say something else? I don't know. He's gone. I know Jerry, I think, has been at Dale's tea house. Yes. It's awesome. Dale does the ceremony with me in the house. It's very nice. My question had to do with ceremony and rules. Yes. You know, you know, Sarah, Sarah, volume. Something else. It's okay. It's okay. Bill, can you mail? Can you mail? We'll get back to you. Get back to you. It's fun. <laughs> Thank you. No, we're lacking feedback now. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm thinking about this experience you had in Japan of everything being ceremony. And I wondered about, you know, in our practice here in America, I often feel that my life is just one series of ceremonies, even though the rules aren't always so clear. I've, I've watched, I've, I haven't really got to know you very well. I spent some time with you yesterday and watching you just today. And I see that you treat your life like a ceremony. I see the way, the way that you move and the way you do things, the way you wipe the counter in there after you pour a cup of water. <laughs> that was very ceremonial. Um, so I think you probably do that just from your years of practice and from your just being who you are. Yeah, but not everybody, not everybody is blessed with that ability to. Do that. They, they have a tendency to make things up as they go along and be pulled off to the left or the right by distractions of one kind or another. And uh, that's that's one of the things that, that this practice teaches us is to is to just stay stay centered, stay in the middle, stay centered, and take things as they come, not 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 as you imagine them or fear them. You know, not, not worry about what happened or, or what's going to happen. Just take care of the moment. I think I think you're doing your part. There's a practice you know that's still still it's something that takes a long time to learn for something or something kind of like natural about that too. You're talking about the, the five horses, you know, the five horses, the ones that that that, that Go where you just think that I want to go left. They turn left. There you don't have. And the other ones that just nudge it with a, you know, nudge it with your knee and it turns left. And the other one you tap it with your crop and it turns left. And the other one that you know that you have to like hit it two or three times 
and then turns left in the last one, you have to beat the shit out of the car first. Thing. And he said, that is the best student, the one that, the one, the one that you have to really whack on. You get to turn left because once they turn left, they'll know that they turn left. And the other ones, it's too easy. You know, they don't learn anything from the process. Or they're various various degrees anyway. So um it's it's um it's but it's having it's but you but you need to have some kind of rule, some kind of game plan, some sort of ceremony to know whether or not you're you're hitting the mark or not. If there's still signposts, um, you don't learn anything by activities. The ritual and the rules or, or, the, or the precepts or whatever you want to call them are there for us to learn from, not for us to whether or not we whether or not we, we perform properly or not or, or follow follow the, the, the rules. It's not as important as it's knowing where they are and knowing how we relate to them in the learning, the learning process. Jerry? I spent a week in Tassajara as a guest uh, in the Sangha week. And one of the things I noticed is that a, a a full shashim would almost be easier, I've realized, because you just follow the schedule and everything you're doing every day is set out. And in the week in Tazahara, there was free time that you sort of had to structure yourself. And it was interesting to me to see how that free time played out and what I did with it and where my mind was during the free time. And I was thinking it's, it's sort of that way of learning to live a life in a more ritual or ceremonial way. So it was a nice opportunity. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really right. I think especially somewhere like Tassahara, where you're intentionally going there, you've intentionally gone up the gone in the into the mountain. And so you're made about to, to, to practice. And it's not you don't have, you don't necessarily end up there by chance, right? It's hard to get there. So so having a structure for that period of time you're there, I think is very important. And during the practice periods, uh, there was of course there's a very tightly scheduled. David Spencer. Um and it was there was something was it was something that was hard for me to learn originally. I, when I was in high school in, in Berkeley, I listened to this man named Alan Watts, who you may have come across. And he would talk about these the Zen temple, the Zen people and stuff, and they all wore the same clothes and they all had the same haircut and they all when the bell rang, they all went to the same place and it was very, very Automated and automaton, and, and 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 I thought that can't possibly be the way. I can't. I was very interested, but the way was I, I was reading. I was reading Lao Tzu, and you know, sort of considered myself a Taoist. But I, mean, I had no idea what a Taoist was, of course. But that was, <laughs> but that was what I was drawn towards. And you know, just the, the hermit in the mountain, and the the, 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 the way of the wind. Anyway, this is all this landing up all this regimentation is not possibly be the way. But then when I got to Tassahara and I experienced that, I experienced the liberation of it and how and how we are so we are so trapped in the in the in the in the baggage of our mind that, that we can't we can't on it by ourselves. We can't. We can't get. It's hard to get loose. And then if you have a schedule and you don't have to decide, I'm doing it. You just do it. You you, you can transcend that all that baggage. You just you just be there. And it's not it's not something you want to do for all of your life, or it's not something that's it's not something that's necessarily even good. But it is an incredible learning process, and, and learning how to. How to be in the moment is 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 not easy, and it's it's it takes a lot of work, and it's uh, sometimes quite painful. But uh, it's a wonderful thing to learn.
Anybody else have something to say? Please, oh yes, David and then Okay, yes. Thank you, thank you. Um, I have a question about how building has that, or is given that feeling of a gateway going into, um, either going up, going up the mountain or going into a, into a commitment place. And I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the, of the new building, you know, whereas you said there's not there, there's not a way to do a kind of elaborate entryway. But how does that happen? Well, it's you 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 make it happen. You're, you're the one that makes it happen. You do have to consecrate it with your own being and mind, and and uh, that's that's what makes it special. It's not just it's an empty building. It just it's not nothing. It's nothing. But if you if you use it and you use it with a with a, and you follow the vow to save all sentient beings when you're in that space, it will create that. It will create the, it will create the mountain. Mm-hmm. You, you build the mountain. Thanks, you. Um, I was wondering if you have any suggestions for those of us who. Um, I would say that for most people who come to Zen, we tend to live in our heads quite a lot. And we don't have a structured life with ceremony and a fixed schedule, everything dictated from moment to moment. Do you have any suggestions on how we might cultivate that ceremonial life uh, off the cushion? Yeah, well, that's that's the big thing, and, and like I say, in Japan, it's vow. I mean, it's it's it's, it's ceremony, and uh, they Japanese do everything as if it's a ceremony without thinking about it, questioning about it. My my teacher at Daitogaji used to say that all of all those questions that people say, how, where, why, what, when, how is the only important question. You just ask how, ask how to. Practice how to until the how disappears, just the two is left. That was what he used to always say. But anyway, it's, in Japan, it's, it's, it's all vow, and people do things mindlessly, basically. I mean, and, and, it, and, that's, and that's, they just take it for granted, and they don't really, they don't really, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily seep all the way into their, into their inner being. It's, it's, and then, and we're just the opposite. We want to think about everything and ask, "Why are we doing that? What, what is that for? What are we doing?" And and we, we evaluate and and rank, and we're just it's the opposite side of the same coin. We're from above the neck, and they're doing it from the neck down. And 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 that's I'm trying to teach craft in America is is very difficult. Paula has a smaller a smaller circle to teach it, so maybe she, she could do it with her, with her martial arts, but I find it very hard to teach people that are doing, especially when you're doing it for money as a, as a business, how to how to have that, how to find that way. But anyway, that's what vow, that's what vow is about. If you do, if you vow to save all such a if you vow to do so that you can, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you acknowledge the vow, then you can think about it all you want, or you can just do it. It's, it's, I think I'm just talking about this yesterday. Before we get to anyway, I think that's the bridge between, between the East and the West way of understanding things. So, whether understanding things from the, from the mind point of view or from the body point of view, the vow bridges that gap. So, if you, if you vow, if you vow to do whatever it is that you vow to do, um, that takes it off the, that takes it out of the ranks of good and bad and, and like and dislike and you don't want to. And I and you just do it. I think, I think probably in your life, you do that quite a bit. You have a very professional way about you. And you probably run your life very much that way, from what little I know of you. But um, I think that's, I think that's, I guess he's doing a whole class on bow now, but, but uh, 
Shohaku. I studied with Shohaku for a while in Japan. I'm very fond of him. He's, he's another, another, he has another softness of spirit that uh, I much appreciate, but, but with an intensity of spirit and an honesty of spirit. One of the most honest priests I've come across in all of Japan. He's just, he's just there. Anyway, um, I think Bao, I think, I think Bao is a, is a very good way of looking at it. Thank you so much, thank you. Does it, we have, well, thank you here. Does anyone uh, online or in the room have any other comments or responses or questions? Dylan has um, a question on the chat here. Oh, I just went away. Um, uh, did you experience Zen while in Japan as being playful? That's a good question. Um, first place, Zen doesn't exist. So, so we gotta take, take that off, take that off the board, but it doesn't, it's not a thing. There are people, practitioners in Zen, and they're all different. So some people are quite playful. Uh, Tsukiroshi's son, Oitsu, is extremely playful. He's, as a matter of fact, almost a full. <laughs> But anyway, and, and I and I practice. I, I worked with a fellow named Sado-san in, uh, in in Kyoto. He was he was, he was helping Mumon burn all the bones from the World War Two. That was another story. Anyway, and and Sado-san had a temple called Naru Madera. Everything was everything was It's not. It's not serious. It's just like people. It's not. There's. There's no. Some. Some of them are clowns, and some of them are playful, and some of them are very serious. Uh, the, the man that I studied with, at Daito Gaji, Kabori, he was probably the most dour. Anyway, um, especially with the students, he, was, he gave no candy. There's no, there's no warmth, no. But on the other hand, the Dokusan, he did step something to be a Dokusan that nobody's ever done before. And not an amazing thing. So, you know, it's it's no, and there's no, there's no, there's no, there's no answer. You know, people keep thinking of Zen as being something, and they have Zen glasses and Zen <laughs> wallpaper, and you know, but, but it's, it's not like that. I was always like thinking that if you have a pencil with an eraser on the end, turn it around and use the eraser because you want to erase everything. You don't want to draw anything. The more you erase, the closer you get to, to where you're going. Well, thank you, thank you for for sharing your experience, your experiences with us. I don't necessarily have a question, but um, there's these ideas now knocking around in my head based on what you said, and and also saying like um, we both try to facilitate a physical practice, you know. But saying the Shunmu Suzuki story of him saying the fifth course that you have to beat to go left—that's that's the student who's really going to remember and learn something because they went through that process. And, and us talking about vow. So I'm thinking like vow actually helps to create the friction. Like you almost need certain elements of friction for us all to evolve. But the problem lies in some people use too much friction. Some people don't use enough. And each person you're interacting with is different. We're all different. So sometimes we don't even know how much friction is good for our, us or not. And then when you're engaging with someone else in a leadership position, it's really hard to understand the amount of friction that they might need also because you don't have all the information. You know, the little times you interact, there's not a lot of information there really 
because everyone's so complicated. But yet people aren't engaged if they don't, if they stay in a comfort zone all the time. Yeah, you, you have to be, you have to make mistakes. You have to, yeah. you have to, you have to be allow yourself to, to go where you're not comfortable. Super always said that if you come to a fork in the road, take the one you don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's something that you there's something you know if, if there's something that oh I just don't like it, uh, you know well, that's what you should be doing. <laughs> well, and then Sanda helps us take those risks. You know, like if we support each other, you, you, you need you need you need support. You need you need support to take a risk. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that Zazen for me anyway, Zazen was that was was that there was. Uh, that's that, that, um, that sense of the void, that sense of there's all things are possible. Um, it, it, for me, anyway, it gave me the, the, the confidence to take risks. And uh, when, I, when I was living for Japan, Kanaguri took me aside in the upper garden at Tassahara and he stood there with his feet apart, so there was a brace, and his hands in the air. He said, Keep a firm grip on the void. It's <laughs> <laughs> like nailing jello to a wall. That was that was his advice for me in Japan, and it, and, it, and I did it. I you know, I was, I, I, I'd already vowed to be there, and, and I, you know, I was, and I, and it was a, it was an easy. It was, I mean, because because of my personal nature, it was easy for me to be there because. I am more of a visual person, and and um, and I'm also also in the, the physical craft. So it was it was easy to be there, but there was nothing to hang on to because it was all it was also different. It was also different, coming out of a totally different mindset. I've said this before, but when I first got to San Francisco Zen Center in the 70s, I never met Suzuki Roshi, but I met many of his disciples. And they were all so different and weird and strange and wonderful in their own different ways, like Paul and Red and Jerome and David Chadwick and Blanche and uh, so many uh, very particular people. So it's not a it's not about being like a cookie cutter Zen person. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't know if you. Yeah, even in Japan, even I mean, and people talk about Rinzai and Soto, but there's some some sort of some sort of teacher, some sort of priest, or are more the stereotype Rinzai, and some Rinzai are more the stereotype Soto. I mean, I mean, Kabori, Kabori was like very very stereotype Rinzai. And but this but Sano-san was this sort of happy-go-lucky. You know, we would we would go off on off on shopping. We'd go around town, and we'd go off doing things. He'd be wearing a his 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 cleaning clothes. His you know his like like what I'm wearing, and uh, and it had a big ink stain down the side where he where he'd spilled his ink on me on stuff. And he just sort of walked in and talked to everybody, and just sort of, be, you know, just sort of like a child, like a child wandering through the world. Uh, just um, not at all majime, as they say, strict, alone, upright, and proper. So there's there's no. It's being who you are through and through is the important part, not not a particular way. I want to say thank you very much for inviting me here to your, your temple. And, and since I have vowed to build temples in America, I, uh, I appreciate you allowing me to help you with the process. And uh, I'm deeply grateful for your, your interest and your support and your uh, vow to make Buddhism happen. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you for all your help. Oh. Allowing all this to happen. Very grateful. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, real quick. 
Dale, did you want to say something? That's possible if I can run away. No, he's here. He just needs to unmute. Oh, there he is. Hi, Dale. Dale, uh, uh, there you go. There you go. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Hello, Paul. I, 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 and hello, everyone there. Yeah. It's kind of weird here because my computer's not working. Nothing um, oh, okay. other, than, other than the audio. Um, and I'm sorry, I didn't know you were going to be in town. Um, I thought I thought you were going to be oh, remote. So I'm, I'm sorry I'm not there, but I, I just wanted to publicly thank you for all your help um, over the over the uh, last couple of years uh, guiding me. In, uh, well, much more you know, somebody's taking the cake and then baby can come along with the rule. I can't say no. It's not like a sandwich. Well, yeah, I just wanted to publicly thank you for all your help. It was just a wonderful experience working with you. Thank you. Thank you.